You're listening to Modded. And on today's episode, we are joined by John Liwanog and also David Lee out in Houston. John, you're currently in San Francisco, right? Yep, that's correct. So uh, we had a couple, I guess, questions about some of the things that are going on in the car community today. But before we start on those, we wanted to get some background on you, John, because you're what some people would consider the OGest of OG. You've been <laughs> modifying cars from <laughs> since I don't know when. So I want to get an idea of, of your history. So when was the first time that you, I guess, laid your hands on a car and said, I'm going to change it? And what brought that on? Man, see, now you're making me feel old because now I got to think like <laughs> probably back when you guys were elementary school kids or or something. I don't know. Um, I think I started way back like in the mid 90s. So, I mean, David, you're probably born in the mid 90s, right? Yeah, 90, 92. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Around that time. <laughs> Close. <to me. laughs> uh, I, you know, I started my first car. I had a um, it was a 95 Honda Prelude. And that was like the first car I I had gotten for myself. And it was kind of like what got the bug started. I grew up in uh, San Diego, California. So it was kind of in the midst of uh, a real big street racing scene uh, down there. And so we kind of, my car was slow because it was heavy. And, you know, at the time you had GSRs running the game. There was no Type R's yet, but it was like GSRs and um, Mitsubishi Eclipse Turbos, Starions. Uh, those are the cars that were kind of like running it out. And with the Honda Prelude, I was kind of losing to everybody because I didn't get a VTEC one. I didn't know any better. So, you know, I got a I got a single overhead cam one. I got the S. Uh, so I was like, great, this isn't going to work. So, you know, lo and behold, a couple of nitrous tanks added and other things added, blew a motor. <laughs> you know, yeah, went through all that. So that was kind of the first car that started it all, I think. What was the scene like back then? Because now we have a way for us to easily gather information. We've got the internet, we've got uh, social media, everything to help us find the parts that we need or to look at other builds, get to know one another. How did you go about that back in the day? To be honest with you, we, we kind of we hung out at shops. Um, we kind of saw everything by hanging out at the shops that were you know local or hanging out with like just the local guys, there was really no, there was no social media, obviously there was no internet. Um, if there was internet, it was, you know, just AOL. And so you, we were dealing with, you know, dial up, which is a modem that was painfully slow. You couldn't even send photos to each other, but we kind of kept up with just word of mouth. Um, you know, nowadays, if we wanted to get together with other car folks and, you know, set up a street race or set up anything like that, you kind of had to talk to the person. You kind of had to make that deal in hand. So you kind of knew, all right, Friday night, we're going to meet up at this parking lot um, before we went out to the tracks that we were using. So it was it was, uh, it was, was nice because you didn't have like a takeover kind of setup. You kind of just met with the people you were going to race with and then called it a day or a night, actually. So I'm going to throw this out there. It might be a little bit... Um might be a little bit unlikely, but I have a coworker who was uh, born and raised in San Diego as well. And he was also into racing Hondas back in the day. So you wouldn't happen to know a Silvano, would you? Hard to say. So, yeah. So he, he told me what it was like back then. And it's exactly how you describe it. 
he said he was um, blowing through motors pretty frequently. He said him and his brother got down to the point where they could take out an engine in 18 minutes. They timed themselves one day. So San Diego was definitely all about racing from, from what I gather, um, at least in, in the mid-90s, late-90s. So after the Honda, what did you what did you end up getting afterwards? Uh, it was, it was kind of kind of I went through a whole bunch of stuff. I went to after the uh, Prelude, I went to an EK, and the EK kind of stuck for a while. That one went through all sorts of stages. Had a Wings West kit, had a Buddy Club kit. Actually, we we still kind of claim that it was the first um, Buddy Club kit brought into the U.S. because that was in '97 that was brought in um, by a shop called Charisma down in Southern California, north of LA. But I mean, who knows? I mean, that, back then it was different because we, we didn't have internet, so we couldn't, you can't prove your facts, right? But whatever, I mean, it was, it doesn't matter who was first or who was, you know, at the time. And then after the EK, we went to a, a Corolla 8.6 while I had the EK. And so I had a Hachi, had a, had that for, I don't know, not a couple months. And that was sold because we, we just, we never got a chance to fix up the Hachi. Um, because of the fact that it was sold so quickly, I bought it, had it, and then it just, people kept offering it. And during the EK and Hachi times, that's when my GS was in my hands already, and that was a uh, that was just my daily. Sold the Hachi to try to buy wheels, and that the rest was history. The GS just became the car. Did you buy the GS new or was it used? I bought it one year, one year old. One year, yeah, okay. one year. Wow, old. so fresh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was it like getting body kits back then? Like explain the cost of the kit and then the cost of shipping it over. Same as now, nothing, nothing different. Um, because, you know, importers pretty much still were the same. I think I paid like almost five grand for that kit too back then. Um, it was like five grand shipped, something like that, which was a lot because, I mean, nowadays you can get a kit for a Civic for a lot less. I guess ish uh, timing wise. It took like a year. I believe about a year. I remember if I can remember right. Um, that kind of just was about, yeah, about a year. Something like that. It's hard to say. So like, how did you figure out about these kits? Cause you know, nowadays you can just go in Google and be like GS 300 kits <laughs> and see what pops up. Did you just look at magazines from like Japan or something or. Yeah. Like at the time, the biggest thing for, Oh, we also, at that time, the internet started to pop up for us. Uh, we were already getting into looking at, um, you know, cars, not through like websites or blogs. There were some that were out there, but we were catching it on through just, you know, friends. Some we had friends that had gone out to Japan and took stuff. We also, we were picking up option magazines. Um, Hyper revs were around already. And so we were seeing stuff through books pretty much. Um, plus, you know, you had the heyday of super street import tuner. You had all those guys around, uh, sport compact car, I believe was around during that time too. So there are people already, you know, going over to Japan and bringing stuff back. So it was really kind of just like people would get the things that were published because they knew about it from there. Yeah. And if you, someone had something new, they'd be like, Whoa, what the heck is that kind of thing? Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Cause like we, you know, at the time we didn't like TEs were still new to us. I mean, I can't, can't, it's hard to (laughs) say. It's hard to believe now. Yeah. (laughs) But like TEs were not, we're not every, we're not everywhere. Um, 
I was running a set of Volk 3s, it's like an old school set of Volk 3s. I had a set of like Jewalt Evolutions, RS Betas. I went through a bunch of old wheels. Five Zig and Div 3s. So like, yeah, we had a lot. A uh, spoon? I had some spoon wheels. I had some MR5s, Mugen MR5s. Ugh. I wish I kept all of them. <laughs> now I think about it. But yeah, we we really didn't have, you know, like an Instagram. We didn't have, you know, a Stance Nation. We didn't have VIP style cars. We didn't have any of that. So we kind of were on our own. So how how did it go about um how did one go about like getting into a magazine, like featured into a magazine? Nowadays it seems a little bit easier. But these bills that you were seeing in these magazines, it was it a, a word of mouth kind of thing where someone spotted you at a show and said, like, hey, I like your car, do you want to get featured? Pretty much. Was, uh, that was pretty much it. Or it's you know, like anything, it's who you knew. Um if you're already you know, if you're already in a tight circle of people, you kinda had a you know, leg up on it. Like a lot of the, uh, a lot of the cars back then were California, Japan, uh, cars. There wasn't really much on the East Coast. There were, you know, but you know the reach wasn't there yet. It was getting there. I remember seeing cars like at, um, I forget the track name in in New York, but uh, English Town, I think. And you know there were drag races. Import uh, Battle of the Imports was going around, and that was starting to create like a bridge between all of the United States. So now going on back to the the GS, where did you start with that as far as modifying it? And then I guess the real big question is when did VIP come into the scene? When did that get started? Um, let's see. Oh man, that's this story again. Uh, <laughs> the um the GS, you know, just a long story short was I originally just bought it to just put wheels on it. I had lowered it on some Tain, I hope I said that right. Tain, teen, coilovers, and I just wanted wheels for it. And uh, you know, we had ordered wheels, but we had ordered wheels. The wheels I wanted, I had on the car where Volk challenges were on the car currently, and I decided oh, I wanted a new set of wheels. I had opened a Hyper Rev magazine for Aristos, and then I saw the Junction Produce car, and at the time I was like, I want those Scaras. And there was another guy in the in the San Francisco actually that had Scaras on a GS, um, and this was, was 2001, 2002. And so I was just like, oh man, I want those wheels. So I went and ordered the wheels through a third party broker to then go to Japan for me to take care of it. And somewhere along the way, whether it's lost in translation or whatever, six seven months later, a body kit showed up, not my wheels. So I was kind of like, oh, all right, that's uh, this is great. What am I gonna do? <laughs> uh, so the Junction Produce Kit, you know, showed up in my on my doorstep, pretty much. Same price, so <laughs> I guess I guess I mean, you know, I guess it's not too bad. It's fine. So speaking of dealing with uh, third party brokers, at this point, had you ever gotten? ripped off by anybody or had something other than a yeah. wrong part being delivered yeah oh yeah it happens it happened back then it happens now and a lot of times too it wasn't like they were purposely doing it you know a lot of times it was just you know we didn't have the same type of communications as we did now like i can get on a, i'm on a i'm on a call with you guys you know and there's we're in three different parts of the united states talking to each other i believe and you know nowadays if i can just send a message to someone in japan to get something for me if I needed it or vice versa. If someone needs something here, they can do that with us. Mm-hmm. Back then you had to call them. 
you actually had to talk to him on the phone. <laughs> um, so, you know, you needed, you needed someone who had an office in, in Japan. You needed someone who had, you know, import experience with an importer and a broker. So it was, it, it happened. I mean, it, <clears throat> you know, what can you do? Right. There's nothing you can really, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't feel good, but at the same time, you know, you just kind of got to move with it. So. Right. It happens. So with the Junction Produce Kit, would you say that that's the start of uh, VIP for you? For me, yeah. Because at that point then, you know, I had already was like into the whole like Junction Produce look. VIP cars in general wasn't as popular at the time. I guess nah, there was some people doing it, but it wasn't many. And then it just kind of stuck. I just kind of got into it. I just started looking at it more started reading, you know, looking at Japanese magazines, um, started talking to people, started getting together. And then, of course, that was during the whole forum craze in the early 2000s. So, you know, we had our Club Lexuses, Honda Tech, uh, Nico, the Infinity Forum. We had a whole bunch of stuff out there. And Club 4AG, Zovia, we we were everywhere. But there was no home for the VIP guys. We were always kind of shunned because there was really – there wasn't really like a stance movement at the time. There wasn't anyone who was into it as, as much as it is like it is now. So anytime we showed up with our stretch tires and our stretch tires weren't as crazy as what y'all got going, you know, this, this time <laughs> around, um, it was pretty mild. It's kind of like what I still run now, but we, we pretty much had nowhere to go. Like club Lexus guys didn't like us. They were all about their performance. You know, they're like, who would do that to a GS 400? GS 400s are supposed to be, you know, sporty. I'm like, no, nah, it's heavy. Um, but <laughs> Which yeah, it's funny it, when you think of it today too. <laughs> so yeah, today, yeah. All the 300s are everything now, and yeah. the Aristo swaps and stuff. So right, and I mean, I get it, and I, I got it, you know, at the time, and yeah. you know, it was understandable. So we kind of, I decided at that point, I'm just going to start my own forum, and and uh, VSC VIPStylecars.com was born. Some people consider you to be one of the the godfathers of the founders of VIP in the U.S. <laughs> you can see me. I'm shaking my head. By the way, <laughs> hates it. He hates it. <laughs> Would you agree or disagree? I know you say they hate it, but I disagree. I, you started VIP style cars, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's different though, because I started. I wanted to start a community that we can go somewhere without being ridiculed. Um, a place where we can share our specs, a place where we can share our suspension setups. You know, at the time there was no one on air, like barely anybody was on air. Me, maybe two other guys, everybody else was static, you know, because there was really air runner hadn't come to the United States yet. Um, you know, we were run. I was running truck cylinders made for a, a truck air cylinders. You know, it was, it was rough. So we needed a place to go, <laughs> dude. Yeah. But Godfather? No, no. I, I'm just like anybody else who loved the stuff. I was just fortunate enough to um, figure how to put it all together before anyone else did. So speaking of specs, were people more open to sharing their specs back in the day? Oh yeah. Oh man, everything was shared. We shared how we we shared how we got our our knuckles redone. We shared, you know, what everything degrees, everything, everything was shared. Fitment was shared. Everything. So why do you think there's kind of a change in that nowadays? It seems like it's more secretive and people want to keep it to themselves more than anything. I think what I'm going to say is about to be considered very old man-ish and asshole-ish, so forgive me. But 
I think it's because we the information is too easy to get now. And so, like, we you don't really get a chance to work on trying to figure it out. Like, before, nowadays, you kind of can just figure out by looking online what your fitment should be-ish. So, you know, if you want to push the boundaries, you're on your own. But, like, even nowadays, like, if somebody wanted to do that on a, I don't know, on your Camry, for instance, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like... Yeah, the basic specs to get it out, get it done, are done. And so what 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 that builds is builds a a community of people who don't want to try to figure it out. They're just gonna try to see, like, who did it. Okay, I'm just gonna copy them and then just do it. So, in a way, we kind of did that to ourselves because we kind of stepped up and and started working on it and trying to figure out. All right, well, if, you know, if I run this many degrees and if I use this kind of plate, you know, whatever. If we do what we, you know, when we do what we do to our cars, now it's all, it's all online. It's all documented. So you can just do a search function to get it. But then what's, I think kind of started to piss people off is instead of using a search function, they're just on there asking. So how'd you do it? I'm like, bro, just go up four. It's topics. true. It's right there. It's very true. So even on like IG or something like that, like, uh, I actually got really annoyed because I got the same questions over and over and I felt like I was answering it over and over. So I actually made an FAQ story <laughs> on my IG to answer those questions and people still don't read it. <laughs> and, and I think yeah. that's the cause. I, I don't think it's, it's people being lazy. I think I, it's not about that. It has nothing to do with generational. It has nothing to do with age, nothing. It just, it's just more of the info is so out there. It's everywhere that sometimes if you do try to search, it might just become this like cluster of information. There's a lot, there's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. So I, you know, like I said, it's kind of, you know, it's hard. I don't want to sound like the old man. That's like, Oh, get off my lawn. I I don't want to be that guy, but it's just, I think we've kind of did it to ourselves. You know, it's kind of on us. That's true. That's a fair point. Yeah. You're also running the risk nowadays of, posting anywhere and getting nothing but negative comments oh yeah and it could be from yeah people that don't have no idea what the answer is in general but they just want to make it seem like you're dumb for even asking oh yeah yeah so look so you know and you know to the credit there are some dumb questions but (laughs) and we we try to we try to combat that and i want to thank uh an old friend mike denoga for this but he we came up with this like on vsc we came up with a forum called vip 101 and that's where we put everything. And before you can start posting in everywhere else, you kind of had to like live in that portion of the forum for like the first 20 posts that you do. And, you know, we reason being is because we wanted people to kind of get the feel of everything and see how everything worked before you went out into the rest of the forum. And, um, you know, it was, it was great because and it allowed people to actually, it, it kind of weeded out the ones who were just there to just, looky-loo and and whatever we wanted people to like you know engage and and put together but it also kind of made us feel like elitist because we're like segregating the newbies to its own little forum before a little part of the forum before it spread out to the rest but i think i i liked it because of the fact that it just allowed people to see where we put all our specs where we put like our major builds like you know builds went up there you know stuff like that it was kind of cool to see so do you think that there's a lack of mentorship nowadays someone that you can kind of rely on. Oh yeah. 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 Of course. No one wants to mentor anybody anymore. It's, uh, it's not because they, they think it's a waste of time. It's just more of, they always feel like the person they're going to mentor is going to turn their back on them. And then mm. all of a sudden they become like this, these mortal enemies. So you don't, 
people don't want to do that. You know, they're going to just steal like what they, what they can from it, kind of leech off it. It's tough. I, I, I you know, we, I would love this to mentor someone. Someone will hit me up and be like, Hey, help us out. Yeah. You know, I'll do it on my free time, but yeah. Right. And it's tough to mentor. It takes a lot of energy and time yeah. and patience too. So no one yeah. has patience anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's a little bit, I guess you could call it a, a, a fear that this individual that you mentor will end up being or having a better build than you getting more attention than you no. becoming more in some, in some ways famous than you are. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's a bruised ego. That's on them. Yeah, I hope, <laughs> I hope everybody that I've ever mentored does better than me. I hope even if I don't get along with that person now, I hope they do better than I did. I mean, that's, that's the whole point of why we do it. You know, I think. So we, we talked about, um, you know, being on air, being one of the first people on air, being one of the first few that is of, you know, the VIP style. But do you think that that's something that matters? Because there are oftentimes you'll see on people's accounts or people's posts where they'll say, I'm the first to have this in America. I'm the first for this. Do you think that kind of stuff matters? No. Or is it just like stroking your ego? Stroking your ego. 100% because uh, it doesn't matter because does it matter that I had one of the first junction produce cars here no <laughs> no does it matter <laughs> that I had the first set of I don't know oh the OZ scar is here hell no ain't 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 no one losing sleep over it doesn't matter does not matter yeah I think so go ahead sorry no just speak to more and I had another question going yeah, I think, I think that I think the issue is it's it's it is ego. I mean, because you want people to look your way and you want to like show you're better than the person next to you and try to find a way to to show that. And I think, I think what's most important is regardless of, you know, what type of person you are, whether it was a negative impact or a positive impact. I think the impact that you make on the community is much more important than being first on the scene. I definitely agree with that. That's that's really interesting that you say that because I don't think I've ever heard someone, I guess, say, you know, the impact of the community that you're having. It's more focused on the individual rather than the community as a whole, right? It's what it's seeming like more and more. Do you think that the community was stronger back when we were first starting? I, I think so. Is because we all had kind of like a unified um, mission. Uh, I think we were just kind of like, it didn't really matter. There was no firsts. There was no, you know, strive for 60,000 followers. There was no please like, and subscribe to my video kind of thing. Like there wasn't that race, you know, there wasn't vanity metrics that we were living with. Um, there was no metrics to begin with. There was no way to like a post. There was no way to like a forum post at the time. Um, it was just more of share what I've built. Uh, let me show you how I did it. Let me show you what I've done and please enjoy it. And feedback is, you know, welcomed. So nowadays it's not really like that. If someone puts their car up on it, on Instagram or some kind of site and someone puts some kind of critique on it, all of a sudden you're a hater, you're an asshole or vice versa. Right. And so it's like before, you know, we took the criticism, we took that and we're like, oh, you're right. Maybe we should do it this way. Oh, no, no. You know, we shouldn't do this because this is not safe or blah, blah, blah. 
um, nowadays you put your you put your car up on online and if you get attacked by someone they're a hater a lot of times they're not really hating they're just like look I don't like the color you know what do you want to do so right yeah so I think the community was stronger back then but at the same time too it's a whole different ball game it's a whole new generation I can't I can't yeah. say you know that it's stronger or weaker now I think it's just a different atmosphere well from that standpoint since uh, you are involved in so many aspects of the car community in the U.S. and I guess a little bit in Japan too, what do you think we could do to make our community stronger today than it is right now and how divided we are and stuff like that? <laughs> you really want to know that? You really want to know that answer? <laughs> the, I, I, uh, I'm curious. So. Well, I mean, I mean, to be honest, the side talking needs to stop. That's pretty much it. Like if mm-hmm. you don't, if you don't want to deal with somebody, just don't deal with them. You know, instead mm. of trying to get other people to join your cause and be like, nah, screw that guy. You don't even know the guy. You're just going to pick on the guy because you just don't like how he built this car. Just ignore him and move on. You know, right. If, if there's a music album you don't want, you know, you don't like, you don't have to listen to it. Then don't listen to it. Same thing with cars. If there's a car you don't like, move on. Just walk right. a couple more steps beyond the car. Scroll past it on Instagram. It's not a big deal. So just don't make things personal and just, you know, yeah, just, like uh, you mind your own business. They mind their own business. And, yeah. you know, if you can't get along, then don't go each other's way kind of thing. So, yeah, it's it's kind of like kind of something I, I think I, I said this to somebody not too long ago. It has, it has nothing to do with cars. It was just like a general thing where, you know, there are mm-hmm. going to be people who like, you know, playing video games all day. There are people who are going to like watching Game of Thrones, Star Wars thing. But then yet we chastise those people for doing that. You know, why can't we just mm-hmm. allow people to like what they like if it doesn't hurt you? You know, exactly. It's yeah. not it's not physically changing your lifestyle because they like they want wheels that are from, uh, I don't know, Europe rather than Japan. It's like, you know, how I if anyone asked me before how I feel about, you know, replica parts at this point in time, I don't like it. Of course, I don't like it. But am I going to am I going to? sit here and write a rant or go on a rant about it? No, because ain't nobody going to listen because they're going to do what they want to do anyways. So mm-hmm. at that point, let me just worry about me. Let me worry about my close friends and my, you know, what my stuff I got to do. And then you worry about what you have to do. Just leave it like that. There's no need for me to jump into your business and be like, your build sucks because you're using this. It's fine. That's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. That's, that's on right. you. Because at the end of the day, there really is no right answer. It's kind of relative to what everyone else believes and stuff like that and what they like. So. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing now. I think everybody wants to be a troll and everybody just wants to like hate on everything or they just want to put their two cents into something that has no sense of their like world being. Like, like I said, it, that car sitting with camber at you know negative 15 degrees isn't going to change your build whatsoever. It's not going to change mm-hmm. your car. It's not going to change anything about what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. So why do you spend, you know, one hour a day hating on that car? Right. Why do you? And I why, found it, yeah. Sorry. No, I found ahead. it funny because there was actually a, I think it was a post today or yesterday that there were, there was a post on Stance Nation with a Miata that had R888Rs on it, Ooh. but it has kind of a funky tread pattern. I mean, Ernest kind of talked about this earlier today. But they were saying that one of the tires was on backwards when really it was on the right way. Mm-hmm. Because usually the tread patterns, I guess they would be like mirrored in a sense. Right. But in this case, in the R-Triple-Rs, they kind of like 
both slant the same way, so it looks like it's backwards. But there was someone that was chiming in in the comments talking a lot of crap, just basically saying, oh, this guy just doesn't care about grip. All he cares about stance and stretching his tires. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, if you actually look at pictures of the tires online, they're actually facing the right way. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of goes along with what you were saying is like people that put their sense into something that they have no business in even talking about because they don't even know either. Right. And that's something like that. And that's like the basic fun, you know, fundamental of it. I mean, even at the time, even if you have sense in it, like even if you, you are the expert in tires, there's a way about doing it, you know? Right. There's a tactful way of doing it. Right. Just, you know, grow it, grow the community, help it, help each other out. If you see someone who puts something on backwards, I, you know, I see it. I mean, I spent a lot of time recently in, in messing with and building PCs again and people put in a fan backwards. I'm not going to sit there and chastise that person for putting in a fan backwards. You know, right. people gonna... make mistakes. People yeah. learn. Yeah. Yeah. So you help them out because you know what, yeah. what if they did put it on backwards? You're not going to sit there and bash them. The best thing to do is to kind of be like, Hey, you know, just, just to let you know that might be on backwards. You might want to take a look at it. If it's, if it's not, I apologize. I was wrong. Like they can't do those two fundamental things of being a human, mm -hmm. which is, apologizing for being wrong yeah and then, like show some empathy yeah, yeah. yeah you know yeah it's just yeah i think that's what's needed nowadays i think we just have to stop being trolls mm -hmm. which is only getting worse and worse it seems as years go on so yeah it's all good john yeah. so how many backwards wings have you seen a lot <laughs> a lot i've seen a lot and you know what's funny too is uh uh I think this this came up on a friend's podcast, uh, my friend Joey, and talking about uh, certain mirrors that they had put on. Uh, I forget what oh, mirrors they were. Oh, the Honda mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> How like I remember. everyone was putting it on a certain way here in the United States, but in Japan it was the other way. <laughs> and, you know, we were like, they have it on backwards. So I think they were looking at us like, no, you have it on backwards. So I think it became one of those like things you know it became that spider-man meme where they're yeah. pointing at each other, pointing at each other. <laughs> yeah. you did it wrong no i you know and that's the kind of stuff that you know can happen and but that's also like a mentality where people are like oh they did it this way so i'm gonna do it this way yeah. like no but one I bothered kinda, to i kind of feel like that's interesting because it kind of goes along the lines of the usdm versus jdm type of or usdm jdm type of deal mm -hmm. where like everyone's kind of copying each other without knowing it mm -hmm. so yeah yeah it's just fine yeah that's fine. Yeah, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. So, but I thought that was an interesting observation there. So, yeah. John, you brought up something that uh, happened recently. I guess you were talking about people rallying or trying to get others to rally behind their opinion. And it happens a lot nowadays with politics, with popular culture. Oh, yeah. But it also happens in the car community. So uh, the story about what happened, I guess, last weekend and two weekends ago as well, was that somebody saw my friend's car, and he's stanced. He's running about now, I want to say, 15, 16 degrees of camper all around. Mm -hmm. And he went to Cars and Coffee. People took pictures of it. They posted it on the local uh, San Diego Subaru group. And they did not get the reaction that they, uh, that they were expecting. People were kind of supportive and were saying, well, why do you care? It's his car. Let him do whatever. Like, how does that kind of thing matter to you? So he then went on and posted those same pictures onto a bigger Facebook page that's kind of worldwide just to get others to rally around behind him and say, you know, call this car stupid. 
and <laughs> say that it was ridiculous, right? So it's like you said, he's taking time out of his day to get people to back his opinion and say that he's right. Um, posting it on social media, just trying to build up, build up the reactions, build up the likes. So, so with that, you know, we're talking about aggressive camber and stance. What are your thoughts on aggressive camber? And I guess what what is stance to you? What is a good stance, or what is the stance that you prefer in general? Well, I guess to answer the first question, when it comes to like what I like in a, in a car, that how it stands, uh, fitment wise, I, I'm camber is natural, right? Anytime you lower a car, you're gonna have natural camber. So of course you're gonna put down, you know, whatever degree camber that you get. I'm okay with that. That's fine. I want my my wheels to be flush. I, I want them to kiss the fender. That's pretty much it. Um, I want to. I, I actually miss tucking my wheels right now. I kind of miss tucking the wheels all the way down till everything lays on the ground. I haven't had that set up in a long time. But then again, the offsets were terrible. They didn't look right when the car was rolling. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's there's ifs ands. But when it comes to the whole like stance thing and like people with crazy you know these FRSs with the cambers that are like I don't know twenty degree. I don't know what degrees. Are. I can't tell. My math ways are not that good anymore. <laughs> um, I good for them. Hey, if that's what they want to do, so be it. Enjoy it. Be safe about it. That's you know, and that's it. Really, you know, there's nothing really. There's nothing really. Doesn't bother me. I'm glad that they do it. I'm glad that they have an identity that they like, and I'm glad that they want to do something to their car. You know, um, some people are just that's what they want, and hell, let them do it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't bother me. It doesn't change how my car looks. Like, I don't right. know. I don't understand. I, I mean, I get it. I understand why people don't like it because it's not natural or it doesn't look natural anymore. It's not functional or whatever in their right. minds. Yeah. Yeah. But we do a lot of things nowadays in our world. That's not car related. That's non-functional. I have a lot of yeah. things in my car. That's non-functional. Who the hell puts a bunch of TVs in their trunks and puts on a Nintendo switch back there? Who? Yeah. Or putting carbon fiber overlays that are technically on top of the original parts of the car. So you're not actually saving any weight. Right. No, you're not <laughs> you're just yeah. adding, you're adding more to it. <laughs> and I mean, I could, I could bash myself. Why do I have a damn supercharger in a car that I'm never going to take fast anyways? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you and I both. I think, yeah. People, people do that. People do whatever they want. And it's like, you know, everyone has different goals for their car. Um, you know, some car, like not every car needs to be fast. And at the same time, not every car needs to look good either. So, and the thing with the camber and the thing with like these extreme, extremely, you know, cambered stance, you know, leg, leg, broke leg, we used to call these back in the day. If they can do it and they can do it safely with whatever, however methods they use, I don't know, shortened knuckles or, you know, different type of arms. Good for them because that's still an engineering feat to begin with. You know, mm-hmm. the, only, the only downside is if they jimmy rig this whole thing back together and then it like falls apart at 80 miles right. per hour. That's the scary part. And I think that's why people get kind of you know, bitchy about it because they don't understand. There are, right. there are some of these VIP cars that are fantastically done suspension wise. They have everything, yeah. everything done in the book that either T demand did or any figs or any, yeah, like lifting up motors too and stuff like that. Um, raising them up. Yeah. What's his name? Sam, Sam took his white 33. Yeah. yeah. Sam from central pine. He went through and cut, he notched his whole frame just so he can be lower and, you know, camber more. It's insane. Like that's the kind of stuff that I love to see. Not my cup of tea. That, that's not how I would build my car. But that doesn't mean that I can't respect and enjoy what other people do to their car. Yeah. That's like you thought about it, you came up with a plan and you executed the plan. Just yeah. 
Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's how it should be. So that's me. That's, that's how people get new ideas too. That's where the new stuff comes from is doing things that are wacky and out there that no one's done. So well, that's yeah. what it takes. Sometimes it takes someone to be wacky and do something like that for you to figure out, you know what? Maybe we should do it this way. <laughs> yeah. I think what happened was like, it just so happens that a lot of the cars that have these negative camber, I mean, you see stuff like H2OI or people or these takeover meets or something like that where people are doing burnouts and stuff. And it just happens to be those cars, it seems like a lot of the time. And now it's just gotten, it's kind of stained the image of that style um, as well as any other car that shows up to those types of meets. And it kind of, people misrepresent, it misrepresents the people that do that kind of style. And I think that's becoming more of a stereotype now than it has ever been. So, so now when you see like a negative 20 camber FRS that's stuck on a speed bump, you're like, Oh, well that's typical. I bet that was, I saw that coming a mile away kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. We, yeah. Of course we see that coming, but it's, that's them, you know, then yeah. again, you can't really like, we hate that. We know we're not a big fan of the whole takeover thing. Right. Granted, we used to go street racing. You know, when we were younger, it's, it's almost different because it was like you would do it privately and somewhat responsibly in a way that you wouldn't risk anyone else's well-being. No, <laughs> yeah, I know it yeah. sounds it yeah, sounds yeah, crazy yeah. when no. we put it like that, but yeah, we always met at some like industrial right. spot where there was not a soul, not a body around, but us. There was um, it was like no one around. There wasn't publicized. Yeah, no, no, it was just if you're gonna get hurt, it's the person in the car that's gonna get hurt. There was no one else because we, you take on that responsibility and take that risk because you were the, you're the one doing it and executing it. Right. And right. everyone there is involved in it too. So they kind of passively agree to it. So. Right. We kind of all knew what we were getting into, but then when these right. takeovers, they, these takeovers happen middle of the day, like when the public is out, the takeovers happen when, you know, oh, like kids yeah. are in this parking lot, like shopping at Walmart or something like that. And these guys are just doing burnouts. <laughs> Right. And there's like, there's like kids running around, like, you know, and if they did it at two in the morning in some industrial area, I don't care. Go ahead. Ain't nobody you ain't no, going to hurt nobody. I don't care. But the fact that people feel the need to put it on social media, too, just kind of blows my mind sometimes, too. Vanity likes, man, or vanity metrics. People want to get the likes. People want the follows, you know. Yeah, And I have a feeling like um, I've always said I feel like a lot of the people that go to those types of meets or expose it in that way aren't there people that like cars, but they're people that happen to have cars and not really car guys in the sense that we consider ourselves, if that makes sense. Like, um, we try to preserve the scene because we want to see it grow and continue. But it seems like a lot of the people that go to these meets are kind of the opposite. They like to see it kind of burn <laughs> and they enjoy that. <laughs> Well, I don't think they're trying to see it burn in a, in a negative impact to make it go away. I think they're, they just want to see it burn in a way that they can capitalize on it and further right. their like own. And they agenda. might not have the best interest of the community necessarily in mind either. It's more no. like a short term. Yeah. Right. Cause then at that point they'll just get the quick high of, of a bunch of people, you know, 2000. Oh, that was views. exciting. That was cool. That was yeah. so elite oh, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Which I get it. We we all did that when we were younger. Yeah, we found yeah. We all found a way to to get a quick high. They just have a lot of new ways to do it now. Lucky, <laughs> lucky, good for them. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely the because the thing is like they're becoming more and more reckless, and it's coming to a point where it really is like endangering the public in some ways because like 
Texas 2K just happened here in Houston uh, about a month ago. And there was actually an incident where there is this kid with a Mercedes that was really oh, well known yeah. on Instagram. Yep. Because yeah. I saw his Instagram just weaving in and out of cars like 170 miles an hour. And like, even if you were like this hardcore street racers, they don't do it in traffic and they definitely don't do it on a public highway when it's still busy. Mm-hmm. And um, I, that kid actually ended up passing away. He was like 16 or 17 because he crashed trying to run away from the cops. That's crazy. And that's the kind of stuff that's starting to spread, I think, out of these takeover meets. Like, you have older guys that do do it, but they don't do it like that. And it's kind of like that discretion and, you know, common sense has kind of been lost. And it's now coming out of control in a way. It's kind of what I feel about it. It's kind of like how it is here in California right now. I mean, we're, you know, we, we went this whole, like, exhaust scare where, you know, if you had a modified exhaust, you were, like, getting fined or reft. Or, you know, it was, like, crazy stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's tough. Like, you know, Oakland's kind of, like, all crazy now because of the fact all the sideshows and takeovers that happen over there. You know, before the sideshows happened at night, didn't bother anybody. But the problem now is these sideshows are happening earlier and earlier in the day and they're hitting people. They're hitting other cars. They're hitting each other. I mean, you see these videos all the time of some dude standing in the middle of the road while the guy is, you know, spinning and he gets smacked. And it's like, right. I remember that video of the Mustang. What was it? A couple years ago that it actually hit the crowd and the crowd just flipped out. Yeah. 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 Like granted the, you know, mob mentality, good, you know, good for them to try to like put this guy out. But at the same time, it's like, why are y'all mad? Y'all were standing there anyways. Yeah, you kind of implicitly like agreed to it. Like, you, <laughs> like, know, you accepted the risk. <laughs> you signed the waiver, bro, when you walked in that mother. You know? Yeah. If you see these guys start spinning and you don't leave, you sign the waiver that whatever happens, happens. You know? That's just right. how I look at it. Like, if, if that shit happens at a meet, we just bounce. I'm like, fuck it. We don't, we don't need to be here. I don't, I'm sorry that I'm cursing. Um, we, don't no, need to, we don't need to be here. Like, we just bounce. I'm like, that's plain and simple. Yeah. But you stay, think- you record. Hmm. Yeah, and this—I mean, this stuff has been happening since whenever there's four wheels and an automobile going around. But it, I think it's the social media now that's just really exposing that kind of lifestyle and getting people into it that really, you know, just like take advantage of it. And then, like I said, you said it's getting earlier and earlier in the day because that social media is like boosting that popularity of that kind of event, you know. So. I don't know. I'm, there's not really a conclusion to come from that. <laughs> it's just an observation, I guess. And it's obviously becoming more in the public eye and it's kind of hurting the general car enthusiasts. You know, your typical cars and coffee type too, because it's put a kind of a target on all of our backs. So, yeah, like there's so many cars and coffees that are like not happening anymore because of yeah. it. And it's a shame because they're what the general public doesn't understand is that there's a difference in those types of people and the general car person too. Um, there are definitely people that are very mild mannered and people that, you know, they might have a nice car, like a classic car and they just never drive it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe driving isn't their thing. They just like looking at it or having it. So, yeah, yeah. I don't like driving my car. I do, but <laughs> well, yeah. John, do you ever think it gets to a point where you modify your car where it's not even fun to ride in anymore, where it's just so uncomfortable? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's happened. Yeah. 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 Uh, it seems- yeah happens all the time yeah like everything you do want like every modification for somehow or other it gets more uncomfortable whether you're getting aftermarket seats mm-hmm. coils air that's not set up right 
right. tires that might be a little bit too stretched. Put a put a roll cage in. All of a sudden, you, you're you know old man. You can't get back into your own car. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that where the GS is at right now, or is the GS you just don't like driving it? I I, I don't I I love driving it. Don't get me wrong. I I do oh, okay. like driving the car. I I don't like driving it because there's too much going on right now that I don't want it to get caught uh-huh. up. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to deal yeah. with that. That's, that and I guess your driveway is part of it too. Uh, driveway's not bad when I can get up my driveway no problem with the air system that I have. <laughs> but good luck for anybody else. You know, my yeah. air runner can clear I can clear it, you know, full up straight on. So Yeah. Uh John told me once about was it the EK or something you had to lower it and like raise no, it every time you got out or everything. Something? The G S was like that and the EK. Both cars I would have to raise it all the way up take the bumpers off and then bring the car into the garage oh my god every <laughs> single time every time the cars came out of the garage god i so, can't imagine that <laughs> i just move <laughs> i'll tell you the reason that i went um on air on my subaru i when i was static i always used to carry planks around these two by 12 <laughs> cut up four pieces and i'd always have them in the back of my hatch just in case i ever encountered something that was way too rough so one day I was coming back from dinner and it was pouring, pouring rain. And another thing or some, some thing that people don't know about Houston is a lot of these driveways are extremely, extremely steep because of the flooding and the sudden rain showers that we get. Like these houses just have to be built a little bit higher. So all of your driveways are not really low car friendly. So it was that day that it was raining. I went out, put my planks out, got soaked, got back in the car, drove up carefully, put in the garage and I had to go back outside to get the planks because if not, they would just wash away and I'd never find them. And I told myself like, all right, this is it. Like I have had enough of this. There's no more of this plank nonsense whatsoever. Like I'm going on air. Are those the planks that live in my garage right now? No, no. That was oh, okay. the planks. So, <laughs> so while I was stock body, before I put the wide body kit on, um, I had the air and everything was good. But then as, I soon, as soon as I got the wide body and my my front bumper changed and I had this huge carbon lip on there. I had to get like permanent six feet long, two by twelves, two six feet long, two by twelves that I always kept in front of my house just to be able to get up. And I said, I'm not worrying about it. I'm just, this is just how it's going to be. So that's low car problems there. That's, that's the whole reason why I have air. It had nothing to do yeah. with being lower. It was just more. So I like driving low. That's just, you know, the way it always oh, yeah. been. That's regardless, but the fact was I needed to get up my damn driveway. So, yeah. yeah. For me, yeah, I was like, I was driving static for a while, and I was going to and from work, and it was like it was an hour and a half to get to work and back. Uh, well, get to work, and then another hour and a half to get back, and that was with traffic. But I just got tired of it because I was at the time living in a neighborhood called A Leaf, which is notorious for bad, bad roads. And I just got tired of it. I was like, next thing I'm going to get this bags because I just can't handle these potholes and everything like that, hitting them all the time and then like bottoming out on things. I think one time I, uh, Wendy, my fiance, we, uh, she was really hungry <laughs> and we wanted to go to this place and the entrance was like, it goes up and then it's flat all of a sudden. Huh. And I was like, I think if I just gassed it, I could jump it and we could get it. <laughs> So that's what I did because I was a stupid 19-year-old or something like that. So we did it, and I got stuck. 
yes. on actual part with all four wheels off the ground. Yeah, that and guy was, we make fun of. Yeah, and I was like, oh, crap. And we actually needed to stop traffic in the middle of rush hour to push the car off. Some guy from, like, the local market, like, ran out and he was like, oh, are you okay? And everything like that. That was, like, the tipping point for me. I was like, I need bags. <laughs> so, yeah, you can probably see the scars on the bottom of my frame somewhere. But <laughs> John, going back to that uh, GS, you've got some pretty rare stuff on there. Um, what are, I guess, some of your, your top parts on there, some of the things that you prize the most? Man, uh, let's see. Uh, you know, I think one of the biggest things, obviously, is the supercharger kit that's on there. The, the Rod Millen kit, that's kind of, that was a, like, multi-year, four or five-year chase, I think, for me to get. Um, that That's, like, pretty big. I think there's only... If I can remember, there's only like 25 of these kits made-ish, maybe 30. And Thomas Panay has one of them too, right? Three. There's three of them in Endless, surprisingly enough. Yeah. Uh, the three GS, the three GS400s in Endless projects have that Rod Millen kit. The um, Glenn, Glenn actually owns a Rod Millen car, so uh, <laughs> he bought the Rod Millen GS400. Um, oh wow! So you know, like it, it was huge because when you had a 400, like I. When I got my 400, I bought a 400 because I wanted to drive it. Like it wasn't meant to be a show car. It wasn't meant to be anything. It was my. It was going to be the daily. The EK was going to take up the the reign of the show car. At the time, it was like Mugen. I had started building a Mugen catalog for it. Um, mm-hmm. So that was kind of like the the you know the path we were going. Then I bought the Hachi. I was just like, uh, yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna keep the Hachi going, and then you know, GS is the daily. So I bought a 400. In hindsight, I would have bought a 300 and swapped the motor, you know, down the mm. road instead. But so the 400, you know, there was a couple of folks doing turbos for it, twin turbos. I had a friend, uh, a friend named Ryan out in Sacramento who had did a single turbo on his 400. Fantastic, because you couldn't even tell it was turboed, but it was fantastic. Uh, you had the guys out in Florida twin turboing GS four hundred, so we didn't really have much. Like we just had intakes and you know some right. other minor things. So then the the Rod Millen supercharger kit was kind of legendary because at the time it was like ten grand, fifteen grand, I think, new to buy it. So it was kind of rare. I think now we can. We, I think we know of where twelve are. Like, is there a reason there's only 25 of them? They they, they never plan on making because you know the car new was like 60 70 grand uh, in mm. at the time, so it wasn't like so no car... one just wanted to pay for that basically, no, right? No, no, yeah, like people won't, won't spend 10 grand on a supercharger now when you, when you true, factor yeah. in inflation from you know 2000, you know, 20 years ago, pretty much. Jesus Christ, 20 years ago. Oh, wow, <laughs> but yeah, if you yeah. factor that in, like ten thousand dollars 20 years ago on a mod was. Unheard That's of. a lot of money. That's a lot of money. So you well, could yeah. buy, probably buy a car for that much back then, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You could buy yeah. you can buy a Civic new. I think yeah. I bought my EK for like twelve thousand new. Yeah, that's crazy now that you think about that. Yeah, my EK hatch in like ninety eight. So, but yeah, I I think that's one of my favorites. The whole Junction Produce thing is kind of cool, I guess, because it's kind of like what jump started everything. And how everyone's all into it, I guess. But that's there. My endless breaks are fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, you know, I, I regret not buying the rears when I bought the fronts because I couldn't afford to buy the rears. 
they're too stupid, too expensive. Right. People, uh, people ask you all the time if that's uh, why Endless Projects is called Endless Projects. You know what? So, like, uh, I guess I can Or do they mix it up the other way around? I guess we could. No. The thing is, okay, so when Endless Projects started, we were, there was five guys, there was five of us um, that kind of hung out together, and we kind of just wanted to... We, we, were in a, we were in another crew at the time, but we were kind of young and we were kind of like, I don't want to be part of this where you got to do monthly dues and meetings and, and all this nonsense. Like, I didn't want to do that. I was a kid. Like I was younger. I was 20. I was 20 years old. So, you know, at the time you're just in there like, Oh man, screw this. So we started endless projects. And now how the name endless projects came around. One of the guys in there was building a right hand drive GC eight, a four door Subaru. And he, we had, he was right. It was imported. Uh, you know, back then importing a car is a lot different than importing a car now, but you know, it was, yeah, it shouldn't be here, but we, we, um, we, I forget the wide body kit we had thrown onto it. Um, but anyways, we had done to be replica kit. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, from yeah. lost Sport, Yeah. 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 It was a, it was gold. It had, it had black, uh, work Meisters on it, but we were like, we were making fun of him because he kept, doing stuff I mean, that's like a, that's a damn endless project and then we we're like oh that's a great name so we, <laughs> we kept it and then the funny part was then all five of us had endless breaks just surprisingly oh. <laughs> like i ended up with it my buddy leonard who built like a bunch of eks uh he just built a ton of them a blue one a purple one a red one he just a pink one he just built eks like a like a madman and he had endless breaks uh my other, my buddy Chris had endless breaks on his MR2. Like we all had endless breaks. So all of a sudden we were, so it was just kind of like, well, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it works. So yeah, that's, that's how endless project started. We, you know, we started that in like 2001, 2002. And then um, just kind of like, you know, we were young. We didn't, we were like, I don't want to be part of the establishment. I don't want to be part of a crew that has to do this. And you know, those, yeah. Th- those still kind of take into play. We don't pay dues. We don't have meetings. We don't have a hierarchy. We don't have a president. We don't have a vice president. We kind of don't really have rules. <laughs> yeah, we kind of don't. No. We kind of don't. We just care that you know everybody gets along. You know, you're not an right. asshole. You know, and yeah, we it's do. A big family. It's yeah. a, we fight. We fight like family too. So it's like it's not a big deal. You know. So yeah. But yeah, I I think that's that's how endless projects came around and now it's just like this group of knuckleheads it's definitely flourished because now you're in multiple countries and all over the u.s too now at this point right which is crazy to me crazy yeah like that was never the plan (laughs) never was the plan (laughs) yeah because i just i just met up and it's it's amazing because i this feels like wherever i go there's like someone i can talk to and hang out with like when i was in japan i met up with uh yohei who doesn't speak a lick of English at all. <laughs> right. And, uh, and we were just passing around Google Translate. We were having a blast, you know. So we were just at uh, an Izakaya, and we were just having a blast. I hope to meet so, him when I, at Weekfest. Yeah. He's a great dude. Um, and, it, like, first thing I saw is uh, FD2, and he's, like, stand on the splitter. And I was like, what? What the? F- <laughs> and he's like, stand on it. And I was like, okay. And I just stand on it. And he's like, see, it didn't move. <laughs> so that's the first thing he said when I saw him, so. Yeah. yeah, that's it's crazy to me because, like I said, we never really like that was never a plan, never a goal. I never wanted to make a shirt that said "Endless Projects Worldwide." That was not like the thing. We came together because we just wanted 
a group of people that believed in the same thing and just wanted to do things together. You know, mm -hmm. that's how Endless was revived. And then it, you know, we brought on some cats from Southern California, some cats in Hawaii, uh, obviously the Japanese group, and then you guys over in Texas. So it's just been, it's been pretty fun. You know, there's a Subaru that has an invitation, I think, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, don't, this guy. don't bring that. <laughs> I'm telling you, I should have put oh, a sticker man. on before you left. Uh, oh, man, that's so funny. Hey, you know, I, I just, I'm just teasing you. There's no, you know, we don't, we always do that. There, there are people that we play with a lot like that. And either they, <laughs> they, they, they join or they don't join. There's no, don't, don't feel like we're holding on you. It's just, we like to tease but, people for that. So. But really. <laughs> no, trust me. The last Dance Nation Texas I was at, they would not let me leave the building without every single person saying, "Hey, so you're gonna join or what?" What's, oh, they what's were. The were they doing that too? I missed all that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they totally did it. Yeah. Yeah, they all they all lined up because I mean I think the entire team of Endless Texas took home best of in their category, and they were like, "Hey, Ernest, so uh, what's up? What's up with your best <laughs> Subaru? Why is it not in this lineup right now?" Oh, so man. I just had to I had to eat all of that for the remainder of the show with them just like. Speaking of which, let me hit up the Matt really quick. Tell him to. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, you know it's which is great because like the one thing is we don't. There's no recruiting process. Just, just to be completely honest, uh, there's none. We don't recruit anyone. We don't sit there and say like, all right, you need to apply. Then you need to be like someone's prodigy for six months. There's no probation. <laughs> we don't make people wear. We don't make people do anything. You you come in. You want to hang out? Hang out. You don't want to hang out? Don't hang out. Want to throw a sticker on? Throw a sticker on. Go ahead. There was never a rule to that so it, we tease people about it and you know this is good because we tease you mm -hmm. uh we'll tease uh, there's other people that i will not name that we tease also um <laughs> but well yeah it's all about good and having a good time that's really what it is it's just to lighten up the mood you know it, it's yeah. a family it's a giant family that's yeah. all it is. they're definitely yeah. some of the best people that i've i've met and some of the people that have helped me out the most even adam arms he's the one that designed the logo for the podcast I mean, David's one of yeah. my best friends. Helped me like keep my car in his garage for months when my engine was uh, down. He called it the dead body at the yep. time. Nice. <laughs> yep. I see Thomas Panay everywhere I go. There's no getting rid of him. Those the Texas guys are fantastic, man. Those guys, yeah. man. That, that, yeah. That's the epitome of what it what we wanted. Like that was what our goal was was to create a crew like like the how the Texas guys are. They have each other's back. They're there for each other. If one person's coming out. I mean, the California guys are the same way. We have guys who fly in from Hawaii just for an event. Oh, um, yeah, Justin, yeah. Right, uh, even Kurt. Like yeah. So, and that's kind of always been the idea, and that's kind of been it. Like, you don't have to be a part of it. You don't have to be, like, you know, these guys are going to have your back, and you don't have to be a full-fledged member. You don't have to have the endless sticker on, but you, you still are a part of what we are. And, you know, of who we hang out with. So then in a way, it's just guilty by association in a good mm -hmm. way. But, yeah, that's I, I, I appreciate the Texas guys, man. I've I've always was like proud and impressed of them. So you were talking about like how back in the day you had to pay dues and your old crew and stuff like that. Is that still something going on in California right now? Oh, yeah. I'll tell you right now that that's something that's going on. That, that was <laughs> because, going on here in San Diego. That, that, I don't think that happens that I know of in Houston. Because, you know, all the teams here, like APOC, um, you got Apocalypse, Prospects, um, now Rejects, and it's a bunch of other gurus. I don't think any of them do that, 
which is interesting. I so think I there are some probation periods, to be honest, David. There definitely is, like, a prospect yeah. period, but I, I don't know of anything like dues or anything like that. Well, uh, the dues are nice. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I see why certain crews did it, because that, like, paid for certain, like, group outings, like food right. for the outing, food for the meeting, um, the booth, like... When done right, there are crews I that are out there that I see that do dues now. When done right, it creates like a way so that no one has to chip in for everything, right? Like let's say we yes. wanted a booth. Everyone benefits, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. right now, if we wanted to buy a booth, we all chip in, right? Like, oh, you mm-hmm. chip in five bucks, ten bucks. And we don't, I don't ask. Nobody, Nat doesn't ask. No one asks anyone to chip in. People just do. So that's kind of nice. So when you have dues, you don't have to like feel like you have to ask people so i get it but at the same time there are also people paying dues for no reason whatsoever they never saw where the money went other than to be in the club basically right yeah yeah no i'm not that's not not and someone else is profiting off of that basically yeah yeah i mean i i I always wondered because i've never heard of that in texas um so i was wondering if that was a distinctly cali thing but Maybe not. I don't know what it's like over on the East Coast, so I can't really speak to it. Yeah. That's good that we don't know, to be honest with you. <laughs> that means that, that crew business or crew, their, that crew or whatever crew it is, is not spilling their beans. <laughs> yeah. So, so John, uh, let's talk a little bit, I guess, about your involvement with WeekFest. Um, how are you involved in it? How did it come about? Uh, I'm a glorified, I don't know what I am. I, you know, it's hard to say because the way we are with WeekFest, the group, the, the WeekFest staff, we don't have titles. Like we don't say so-and-so. The only people that have technically have titles are the owners, right? So the, the three owners, they have a title, but the rest of us, we're just kind of, our job is to make sure that the, the show runs well. Like we need to make sure that everything runs. So like, you know, we, we load in properly we load out uh judging is done right so it's just kind of there's no like i don't have a role because i don't believe that there should be i think it's we're there to make sure that the the event goes off without you know a hitch what i like to personally do for me is excuse me i want to make sure like if anybody has any questions or issues find me i'll I'll talk it out with them you know i want to hear what you didn't like about the the event i want to hear those kind of things like you didn't like how we did rolling you don't like how you were parked you don't like any of this so i i those are the things that i like i like to do on my own but yeah i'm you know part of the staff that travels to every tour stop i do the judging um i judge toyota occasionally always judge lexus always judge vip um and then, obviously, all the specialty awards we all take part in. So, Do you think that being a judge has made you a little bit more critical on builds? I think or- I've always been critical. I just don't share it. I My close friends will know. David, like, for instance, will know how I feel about oh, cars. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not my uh, place. So, so kind of because you were a judge and this is um... – I don't know if everyone that is listening to this podcast knows necessarily who you are. Would you mind going over your like judging process or kind of what you look for? Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess I can say that. So the big thing, like for me, obviously the, the first part is I need to look at the flow of the car, right? 
I need to see the overall like appearance of the car. Um, I don't really, I'm not trying to put a white glove to it. I understand it's a, it's a show. So please clean your car, but I'm not going to white glove you at all. I get it. You drove it there. Now, if you trailer it in and push it in, then maybe I will white glove you because you trailered it in and pushed it in. So that's different. But at the same time, the biggest thing is I just, I want to look at the flow of the car. What have, what have you touched? Like what has been done? Are you doing everything to the car? So are you actually doing, you know, audio or are you doing interior or did you just do paint and body and, you know, basic suspension? Like I, I want to see everything. I want to see how the car rolls. Like I, I start looking at the cars as they roll in. What kind of presence does that car have as it rolls into the event? Like, does it look like a stock car because of the way it's sitting on stock wheels and because you switch everything out when you get to the event? Now, for me, I can't say on any other judge. I think it's, I, you know, if you go to a lowrider event, I think they're like that where they put a bunch of other things and they switch over. But for me, I wanted to, sh- I want to see presence of the car in the beginning. So as you roll your car in, I want to see what the presence is, right? Um, mm. I want to see that. I, I look at like, are you using parts that are real fake? If you're going to use stuff that's replica, right? We try to, to, to filter that out, but there's not a hundred percent way of guaranteeing that we can filter out every replica piece because there are people who are going to say my kit is real when it's not. Now, if your kit or if you have replica parts on it, then own it, own that you do. I'm not going to chastise you for having it. Do I like it? No, I don't. But that's not me. Mm-hmm. That's not my call. Yeah, especially nowadays. I mean, as cars are getting older, um, if and you're starting a build, say, nowadays, where the parts are discontinued, sometimes yeah, you no don't choice. really have much of an auction. Yeah. Right. And But own it. Just say what yeah. it is. Now, you know, they're... You can get around it. Like, I mean, obviously, if you have a junction, if you have a GS and you want a junction produce kit, you, you're not going to get one unless you like there's a guy out in Stockton who just built one. And it took him a long time to get all the pieces together for a real authentic kit. Most people mm-hmm. don't have the patience of years to put a kit together. So, of course, I'll just go buy one from Shine or I'll buy it from somewhere else. Um, but the, the, the difference is own it. Just own it. Let me know that it is, you know. Right. And we'll go from it. We'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll go on it from there. I just look to see that everything is touched. I need a complete build. Um, I need to make sure you've touched your motor somehow, some way. Not just put on an intake. You know, at least put some thought into it. Um, if you want to win at an event like Weekfest, where you know we expect you know the best out of best, don't expect to come in here just because I bought you know these TE thirty seven Sagas uh, that I should. <laughs> I should win. No, because you got to have the whole package. I need to see everything. I need to see what kit you used. I need to see how your kit, you know, is, did you put it on right? If you didn't put it on right, did you make it fit right? Um, is your gas cap on gas door on right? Uh, you know, little things interior. Did you put an interior? Did you put any effort into the interior other than I'm going to put a VIP out table and a VIP aesthetics. <laughs> yeah. You know, rear yeah. table. Like honestly, that's how my interior is. But, you know, I, I, instead of using a regular wood table, we use a Lego table. You know, I put Jaguar tables, I put a Garson, you know, center cabinet. So like, but then like there was a thought process to it. Like, let me do this. Let me do this. All the wood matches except for the Lego table. 
but that's the things that we look I look at. I look at to see what the people's flow of the car is. I don't like if mm-hmm. whenever the GS would win back in the day and they would say, Oh, it's because it's the full junction car. Ah, good. That's cool. But no. You know, there's a GS that's next door that looks better than mine. Because his flow was better, his execution was better. And that's what I look for. You know. Mm-hmm. That's important. It's not just me. what parts, but also how you do it. Right. right. Yeah. Do you you know and Granted, if someone builds a, a full Mugen EK, like there's one in Texas, uh, the EK4 that you guys have, I think it's fantastic. But he, it's built prop, it's built right. Uh, what's that dude, Chris, with the Prelude? The last time we had a best of show. Oh yes, uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, I can't recall his last name. But that he car has is the, fantastic. Yeah. Now, Phenomenal. where would that car win a best of show at? Nowhere, not one spot. It won at Weekfest because the. The, the me myself Joey, uh, Ken Kenneth uh, from Weekfest David from Rewire, all of us agreed that that car was built phenomenally, right parts, right execution. Nothing was like grimy. Everything was just well put together. Everything lined up properly. Everything was smooth. Like that's the kind of stuff that we look for. Anyone yeah, can, he- yeah. Yeah, I've seen him drive the car around before too. So. That car, that car's sick. Yeah, and it won best of show in Texas. And I think it's Texas guy too. Yeah. is one of the most, uh, the most like competitive car spots I've been to, you know, in the United States with Seattle and California being up there. But yeah, it's like those are the things we look for. I don't, you know, I don't look at okay. I don't, I don't pull out a catalog and say, okay, you're missing the junction produce wing. You're missing the junction produce <laughs> eyelids. You're missing the junction produce. Thi-. No, I don't No, That's not how I judge. The way I judge is I look at a whole package, make sure your trunk is done. And if, if your style is not to do audio video and you do, um, you know, wood paneling with your air suspension. Cool. You know, I'll take that into consideration, but at the same time, don't be upset that I personally weigh, an audio system more than that it's subjective mm-hmm. but that's and it depends on the type of car too of course too. right so yeah like I, I can't expect you to put it into an m3 even though we have a buddy with an m3 that has audio but so he did it nicely waterfall <laughs> or a waterfall yeah we have a, we're sean's we have a waterfall, waterfall car <laughs> but like those shout are the things yeah shout out to sean but yeah that's how i judge things so like it's very subjective we don't do point system we go off of like what we like to see and it's not not necessarily saying that that's how i would build a car but we just felt the execution was perfect we felt the car installation like all the stuff was installed right nothing was gapped nothing was like crooked um nothing was like no corners were cut pretty much Mm -hmm. so that's how that's how i look at judging and I think a lot of the Weekfest guys will look at the same way. And we weigh things out. Like, we will sit there, you know, insider, you know, tip. They're probably going to kill me for this. We weigh, we weigh stuff out. There are going to be times where I'm going to put two cars next to each other and be like, what the hell? <laughs> Who is it going to be out of these two? And there are times I've done I think I've done that with you too, David. I think I've done it with you and a, and a Supra, I think, before. And this was before, oh, this was before that, you were Endless. This is, oh, was it? Yeah. I think oh, it was. Wow. I think it was like right before all that, but I think. I thought it was last year with John Doe's Super because that thing is beautiful, the engine bay. Yeah, it was last. Was it last year? It was yeah, it the last gold year. engine bay? The gold yeah, engine was. bay? That's right. We went back and forth. Like as a, And yeah. I, I made the others go through it with me because I didn't want to. If, 
If you had chosen John Doe, I would have completely agreed with it too because his car is beautiful. So, and that's and then so here's how that decision came into play. We took the idea of okay, a Supra, an amazing Supra, amazing engine bay, but what you took on was a completely different project. You took on something that no one else would. You know, Mm -hmm. you took on you did things that were kind of like. Not, you know, not many people will do a fender flare replacement like you did. They'll just kind of throw on some plastic flares, rivet it in. Oh, look, I got wide body. You actually went through and, and did, you know, the right way of molding it in and shaping it and all that. You know, with the motor that you went and, you know. Oh, that was a whole story. In itself. <laughs> right. Interior. Yeah. Like, you know, so we looked at we looked at a build. And yes, the Supra will win probably at 80 percent of the shows. Um, on top of that. And the reason why I brought the others in is because of the endless hat. I had to like, whenever I go to an event that's week fast, I don't really wear an endless hat. I don't wear anything that's endless related. I'm on my own. You know, I, I no, mm-hmm. that doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I don't care if you're endless. Just shut up. Go over there. Um, like I don't even let them, I don't even let you guys go in first. <laughs> I'm like, y'all <laughs> wait in line like everybody else. Uh, but this is a true story <laughs> at, at the same time. It's like you got to give credit where credit's due. So you, at the same time, you can't be like, I got to put them on a lower point scale because it's endless and it's my crew. No, it's everybody's even. doesn't matter what the sticker is at this moment. Right now, what matters is what kind of car it is, how they built it, what their plan was. And we know your story. We know how you built the, the Camry and what, it was, what you were after. And that, that meant a lot to us, you know. And we try to learn a lot of people's stories as, you know, inside the uh, – inside you know the industry as you can tell sometimes now we're trying to put cars in a certain situation to to let it tell its story on its own last year texas we put thomas's car out front because we wanted people to take a look at thomas's car in florida we put uh, a couple rx7s out front because we wanted people to see their stories we're going to do a couple more things throughout the year this year to you know tell the story and that's important you know and that's Going based on that, that's why the Camry would win over someone like John Super at our event. It's not that we're saying that mm-hmm. John Super is terrible or it's who's better. It's just we kind of appreciated the fact that you took on a chassis that is not a chassis that people would take and a chassis that people would probably laugh at. Be like, yeah, that's a Camry. Get it out of here. <laughs> um, but you did it and you did it well. Like people mm-hmm. will take on chassis all the time that are not meant to be fixed or not meant to be modded in any shape or form. And when they do mod it, it looks terrible because there was, they were just like, I'm just going to throw all this on. So. Right. And that's big to me. Sorry. I went off on a rant. On a, I appreciate that. On a tangent, off tangent. Yeah. So then John, I guess, how would you, what kind of advice would you give to someone starting out today from it, your, your many years of experience? Don't worry about what other people say. Let it be. If you put yourself out there and someone decides to knock you for it, let them knock you. It's all good. Because in this day and age, you know, the moment you put something out there, someone's going to troll it. Someone's going to side talk you. Something is going to happen. Don't expect anything positive out of it. So you just worry about what you want to do and how you want to execute it. That's really all that matters. If you want to build a car, if you want to build a Camry, you want to build a Hyundai Genesis, you want to build an Evo non Evo, you want to build a Lancer or whatever. So be it, you know, do it, 
do what you want to do. Build it the way you want to build it. Don't let anyone stop you. And don't let a trophy determine what happens and how you build the car. Yes, it is nice recognition to win a trophy, but that doesn't matter. Because in the end, you're the one driving the car. You should be proud of the car that you drive. Don't let a trophy determine that. You know, And don't build it for nobody else. Don't build it because you want to be a part of a scene. Don't build it because you want to do, you know, do it for you. That's it. Don't listen to anyone. Don't listen to me. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's great advice, John. I think we can go ahead and leave on that note. David, do you have anything, any closing comments for John? Mm, no, not really. Huh. Well, thank you very much, John. I appreciate you sitting down and, and sharing this extensive history of, of car modifying that you have. Your opinion on a lot of things, a lot of things that matters, I think, to a lot of people. They want to hear what you have to say um, because you're you're somebody that people respect in this community. You know, no from, probably from the day that you started. <laughs> they definitely did. <laughs> and that's what's great about you too. Like you're you're humble. You're no, humble. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not humble at all. No Until way. The day he was born. <laughs> it, it's it's not. I'm not humble. No, but you know what? Thank you. I, it's it's been a long time since I've been on a podcast, it, so it's it's kind of nice. I set up this whole studio and it's kind of nice to, to use it again. So it's, uh, <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a lot of fun. <laughs>